You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. We are continuing our series. Logan kicked it off last week. I think he kicks off next, the next series too after Mother's Day. If I remember correctly, this is the way... This is the way. (laughs) So um, the series, Family Values, Why is Family Hard? If we're honest, family is is amazing at times. It's the safest place at times. It's, It's the best experience at times. And then other times, it's just hard. It's just hard. Hard. And there's a number of reasons why it's hard. It's sometimes there's conflict within relationships. Sometimes there's hard circumstances. Some people don't want to live out their lives redemptively, and that's, that's really challenging. How do we live out the values that God has for us in the midst of these things? And last week, Logan shared about the prodigal son story, and I was really proud of Logan because, you know, the scriptures doesn't pull punches when it comes to what relationships really look like. Like if you want an honest look at what relationships look like, just open up the scriptures and read the stories in there. The narrative is, is super clear. It's, it's well, Logan was preaching on, he was, he was preaching to himself as much as anybody else because, because the circumstances that he finds um, at least part of his story to be part of, circumstances he's experiencing comes right out of that story. And this week's story is, is no different. Um, in fact, I didn't realize how much I needed to preach this sermon um, before I got here. Thank you, God, for that. So, you know, last week we we're talking about restoring peace, and, and, and God has a plan for restoring peace. Are we going to jump on on his plan, or are we going to try to figure out our own plan? Well, this week, we're talking about resolving conflict. And when we talk about resolving conflict, all we could talk about is how to do my part. I mean, not me the preacher, me the person. Each of us doing my part. Because I can't resolve what's going on inside of you. I could only resolve what's going on inside of me and resolve my response to the situation. All right? So I just want to, that's the disclaimer. But we're going to look at a story out of Luke chapter 10. And in this story, we have four characters. Uh, Really only three are are listed in Luke's account. Uh, There's Jesus, there's Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. In Luke 10, Luke doesn't identify Lazarus as, as being part of the family, but we know he is from, from the other stories. And Jesus and his disciples, they show up. They show up, and suddenly there's this large crowd in the, in the house. And we're told that Martha is preoccupied with her preparations and that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Isn't that a fantastic little diagram? Thank you, Logan, for that. And and Martha says, Lord, tell my sis to help. 
Tell me you've seen this happen play out in your home. Tell me you've seen this before. Tell me you've seen this between you and, and your wife or your, your spouse or your, your sibling. Like, am I the only one? Please fail me out here. Oh, we got a couple other people this has happened to. <laughs> okay, good. I'll be preaching the four of us. That's, um, we've experienced conflict like this in our homes, within our church or churches. Pastor. I see this problem. No one else wants to help with this problem. Make them help. Or, or at work. Boss, Frank's just not getting it done. Right? We've seen this scenario play out over and over and over again. And then there's this next conversation. And I don't know if Mary and Martha actually had this conversation or if they were just thinking it, because sometimes you could just look across the room and, and catch each other's eyes and have a conversation without saying words. But you never, you never wait. I said, I said, give me five minutes and you, you never wait. And Martha says, you always leave all the work to me. You never show up. Have you ever gotten into this always and never conversation? And these are never true, right? I'm like, always and never, those are pretty big. Those are pretty big. I'm like, we're probably exaggerating. Like I've told you guys a billion times, don't exaggerate in your home, right? But Jesus responds, Mary, Shows well. And it won't be taken away from her. Mary shows well. Now, there's a number of factors that affect how or why we respond to different situations differently. Uh, one of them is birth order. Uh, Kevin Lehman has a, has a book and, and a website about the birth order. And he tells us that um, in general, more often than not, uh, firstborns are natural leaders, they're reliable, they're sometimes aggressive, uh, model children. I'm a firstborn. That wasn't true of me. Uh, strong need for approval from authority. Absolutely. Only children, they're, they're firstborns in triplicate, like you take it to the nth degree. These are your CEOs. My friend of mine, he's a one-star general in the Air Force. Only child. Every bullet point describes him to the T. Um, middle child, guaranteed to be opposite of the older sibling. They feel the shout of older siblings. Tend to be secretive. They feel out of place. They usually read people well. They're peacemakers. They're your entrepreneurs more often than not. Your lastborns, they're the babies of the families. They're social, they're outgoing, they're cute, they're cuddly, right? They just wanna have a good time. It's amazing how many comedians are, are the lastborn. And uh, they're spoiled or babied into 
helplessness. I love that line. Uh, you know, and I look at these and, and there's, I see a lot of this, a lot of truism here with my own kids. But in the Mary, Martha, Lazarus story, who's the eldest? Who's the eldest in that story? Probably Martha, right? She's the problem, takes charge, solving it before anybody ever says solve it. She charges. Now, the youngest, uh, because Luke doesn't mention Lazarus, I'm guessing, I'm guessing Lazarus. And, and Mary being the opposite of Martha, just from the short, like we don't have a big picture here, so we're guessing here, but maybe the middle child. And so our birth order, we're like, that's, our birth order is part of our experience. There's other experiences that impact how we respond generationally. Have you noticed in your work environment that the generations, the different generations, they, they respond to situations differently? Does that ever cause conflict? Maybe. Culturally? Like you, you find somebody from the Orient versus France versus America versus different parts of America, and we could respond to the same set of circumstances very differently. We have different expectations. And then there's our design. Our design. And there's a number of ways that we talk about design, like the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or Pathmakers. We, we have a tendency to talk about Pathmakers. In fact, we're uh, looking to take some people through the Pathmakers assessment if you are interested in that. But Pathmakers gives us a language to be able to talk about our design and explore our design and explore other people's design. Boy, I learned a ton when I found out my wife's design and why she responds the way she does. She's a cooperator, but she um, is also a realist. And so data is super important to my wife. And so when she asked me, uh, what do you want for lunch? And I say, make me anything. As a cooperator, you go, oh, that sounds glorious. I can make him anything. But since data is super important to my wife, she can't cooperate because she doesn't fully understand. She would prefer me to tell her to climb the Himalayas, go to the store, bring back turkey, and make me a sandwich. She would rather do that than make me anything from the kitchen without the data. Do you think that maybe caused some consternation in our relationship without us understanding each other's design? Yes. Yes, yes, it did. And so these are just different things that impact why we look at things differently, why we respond differently. But I want you to think about some recent conflict. Maybe the last four or five conflicts that just rise to the top of the surface for you. Who is the source of that conflict? Do you have a name? 
Is it somebody else's name? Or is it your own name? Because James says this, what causes fights and quarrels? What causes conflict among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Mary and Martha had competing desires. Mary wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and learn. Martha wanted to be a good host, which, which culturally that makes perfect sense. Like we've talked about Abraham and how he runs to the guests and then he runs away from the guests and runs and, and gets a fattened calf and he runs to his wife and, and, and they make so much bread that, you know, wonder is calling for, for an order. Can you ship some my way? They make, was it 60 pounds of bread? Some crazy number? Culturally, that makes perfect sense, but they have competing desires. And, and I think Mary's going, or Martha's going, why can't Mary be like me? Why can't Mary be like me? And Mary's going, will you just give me a minute? We just slow down a little bit? Will you pause? And Martha's like, no. Now. Come on. Clock's ticking. It's not because it's an Apple Watch, but I could probably make a tick if I wanted to. Have you seen different expectations, different desires create, create conflict within your family, within your home over something really simple that shouldn't cause conflict, but it does? Have you found yourself at odds with somebody within your nuclear family, within your church family, within your community because of your desires and how you want them to be carried out? See, Martha, I think, tries to do her part, her sister's part, and God's part. She even says to the Lord, Lord, tell my sister help. Have you prayed that prayer? Lord, make my wife, make my son, make my friend, make my whatever. Have you prayed that prayer? Why don't you do something about what they're doing? I've prayed that prayer. See, in discipleship, we talk about my part, their part, and God's part. And Martha seems to be doing everybody's part and not respecting the voice of her sister. No, don't, no, 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 not, we're not waiting. Jesus is here now. The food needs to be prepared now. I got this broom. Let's clean up now. And yet the Lord says, Mary has chosen well. Well, we're going to go back to Genesis and we're going to look at the creation account and see how it helps us understand our part in conflict, maybe in better ways. All right? 
You guys ready for this journey? So Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. This is a foundational concept for us as disciples. If we're going to be a disciple of Christ, if we're going to live as disciples and disciple others, we have to understand that each of us bears the image of God. But we do it differently. We serve an infinite God and we're finite. We bear that image, but the different ways we bear that image matters. And it's good. I remember I was, I was grumbling to God about my wife one day. And, uh, and God says to me, why would you want me to make her in your image? I'm like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> Carbon copy of Rob. We don't need that many Robs in this world. Probably one is enough, maybe too much. No, it's, it's about right. It's roughly right. We bear the image of God, but we do it differently. Now, to be honest, some people choose not to live out their image of God redemptively. And that causes problems. There's some people that they're brilliant and they don't use their brilliance for good. Okay, Thanos. <laughs> Thanos. If you you gotta watch you gotta watch Marvel Marvel Universe, right? But um, Hitler Hitler was a brilliant man. He could have led people to do amazing things. Like Nelson Mandela, on the other hand, like brilliant in his own ways led people to do things redemptively. Hitler did atrocities with his brilliance. Mandela lived it out redemptively. And so there's a reality that some people choose not to live their lives redemptively, but within our families, that's, that's by and large not true, right? And yet there's still conflict over our differences, over our different design, over the way we approach things differently. And then in Genesis, we're told that God created us for work. Work didn't come in Genesis 3. Work was there long before the problem, long before the fall. We've always been created for work. The problem is, and it's not really a problem if we don't let it be a problem, I'm going to do the same kind of thing differently than you. And it's okay. As long as I'm doing my best to live out my life redemptively, I don't, we don't have to solve the same problems the same way. 
Logan and I are both type A personalities. We're both firstborns. We solve problems differently. I need Logan. As a lead pastor, there are times where I hand him the keys to the bus. I'm like, you drive. This is your area. This is your expertise. And not just in worship. There there are other things that he excels at, that he is better at. Things that I'm passionate about. He's just, his design is different enough where I go, wow, look at that. 10 years ago, I would have seen that as competition and would have shut it down. Today, I celebrate it. Your design is good. I'm going to let you lead in this area. Our church is going to be better because of what you are saying right now. Many times in conflict, we don't value our own design. That, that's been my struggle. Like life told me not to value my design. My design has been chipped at and laughed at and picked on and questioned a ton. How about you? Has that been your experience where you question whether or not your design is good? Where you start to wonder, can I even be used by God? Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can, because he created you. And so when we don't value our design, we don't give our best. We don't give our best effort. We don't fully engage. Or, or we tear others down so they feel as crappy as we do. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you like, well, blah, 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 blah. You know, just bring them down a few notches so they can feel like we feel or, or bring them down to the level that we imagine ourselves are at because we buy into this narrative that someone else, other than your God, other than your creator, he didn't say those things about you. The world has, and you buy into that narrative, and because you buy into that narrative, it impacts the way you treat other people. You cannot love your neighbor, Jesus says, if you don't love yourself. Now, some of us love ourselves way too much. That's the opposite problem, right? Or maybe that's just the facade, like we put on a show because we really don't love ourselves, but we're going to act like it. We're going to puff up. We're going to pretend that all of our ducks are in a row And when we don't value the design of others, we'll either criticize or lose our spot in the sermon notes. (laughs) Wow. Where'd we go? There we are. We will either criticize or we won't let others participate. Nope. Their design's not good, so I'm not going to let them participate. And we do it for them. 
and we push them out to the edges. Wait a minute. They are made in the image of God too. And maybe, maybe when he looks at them, he says, wow. And maybe we should figure out why God says wow about them. And we should explore that and figure it out and enjoy it and celebrate what God has created in them too. And then use it for moving the kingdom forward or moving our family forward. Derek Hayes, he's a pastor, said this this week. At age 7 to 10, my Sunday school teachers, Mrs. Alexander and Mrs. Burks, required us to say each Sunday, I am somebody. God does not make any junk. God doesn't make any junk. They didn't know it then, and neither did I, but they instilled the, for, the foundation for spiritual formation in me. When I see someone that values not only themselves, but the people around them because of the image that they bear, I go, oh, that person is spiritually mature. That's what we're looking for. If you are tearing people down because of their design, because of how they do it differently than you, there's growth there for you. And believe me, I still have work to do for myself. And then Genesis 2 tells us the same creation account, but from a different perspective with a different focus. Genesis 2.10 and 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Whatever the man called, whatever man said, whatever, can you imagine? Like, like God creates Adam, says, go do some work. Name the animals. And, and, and didn't correct Adam once. Didn't go, no, that's not a porcupine. That's not an elephant. Not once. See, Genesis tells us that we were creating God's image. We're very good. That we have work to do. That our voice matters. But even the places that we find ourselves, the family that we're in, the, work, the church you're part of, like I believe you're called to be here. Absolutely believe you're called to be here. Until God calls you to someplace else, you are meant to be here because you have something to offer. Not, not just to receive something, but you have something to offer the body. And Jesus valued Mary's voice. He says, Mary, Mary chose well. Mary chose 
well. We were created to meet certain needs within family, within our, the nuclear family, our extended family, our church family, within our community. We were created to meet certain needs. And it takes all of us to put God on display to the world. And the question is, will we live out that image that God has placed in us redemptively? Will I learn to live my part as redemptively as possible? Which sometimes means I go, ah, Logan's better at this. Yeah, first place. Logan and I, neither one of us, we, well, we both loathe having someone else drive us. <laughs> we do. It drives him crazy. It drives me crazy. I let, knowing that, I let Logan drive. It's a simple way of saying I value your image because I turn off my desire to elevate his desire. I give him first place. No conflict. There's no fight. Because I choose to do that. And the more we choose to do those kinds of things within our homes and within our church and within our community, the more we live out our part of valuing not only our design. I didn't say my design sucked. Like, I still think I'm a pretty dang good driver. But when I say no to my, like I value my design, but I value his design too. I value your design. I'm not fooled into thinking that I'm the one that makes this church grow. We make this church grow. We're the ones that, that does the ministry. We're the ones that impact people's lives. We're the ones that pray for people. We're the ones that lead people to Christ. We're the ones that baptize. We can do this together because we are image bearers and we're going to do the very best with our part. And sometimes we're going to go, ah, let's, let's let him do it. I'm excited to see how this turns out. Let's let her do it. Is it just the men that are made in God's image? No, we have the other half of our congregation, our image bearers too. We're going we're gonna to celebrate how God has designed our women too and let them speak into what, what God is doing here. And then your voice matters. When you say yes, it matters. When you say no, it matters. When you say wait, it matters. When you have questions, it matters. And we should respect that boundary. We should respect our own boundaries and say no when we need to say no and say yes when we should say yes and respect each other's voice too. That is how we live out our design as redemptively as possible.
So a couple implications this week. Number one, God has purpose for you in your relationships. He placed you there. He specifically designed you and he values your voice. You are where God placed you. You may not understand that. That's mind-blowing to me that I could be where God placed me, but I am. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be, you're supposed to be here. Within your family of origin, within your community, within your church, within your work, until God moves you someplace else, be as redemptive in that place. Live out your design. Use your voice. Respect other people's voices. Love other people's design too. God has purpose there for you. Then implication number two. God has purpose for all your relationships. I know there's somebody on your mind, you're going, really? That person? And I could be that person, I don't know. I may, might be that person to you. Who, I've been that person a couple of times. Um, he placed them there, he specifically designed them, and he values their voice. I can't just love myself. I have to love my Savior. Love my neighbor as myself. And this helps me to love them because God placed them there. If there's conflict, God wants to do something in there and I could do my part and I could invite God's redemptive efforts into that moment and see what God wants to do with it. See, if we see people as problems, as objects, it will create more conflict, not less wherever you go, whether it's in your home, at your work, within your church. People just leaving is not part of the solution. As a church, we should be inviting people in. Inviting them in. And maybe they don't recognize their value and their worth and their voice. And we should be the ones that help them to do that. So some next steps. If you haven't done this already, explore your God-given image and theirs. Now, over the years, I've done this a number of times, a number of different ways. I've taken a number of different assessments. But when I did Pathmakers, and we did that in a community, in a group of, uh, there's about six of us that went through it, I got to see my design and got told that it was good. Because again, my experiences over and over and over again, starting about, I don't know, probably middle school. <laughs> Isn't that when it's the worst? When you're told over and over and over again, your design is bad. Sometimes in parenting, we accidentally say to our kids, your design is bad. It's not what we mean to say. I never really fully explored my design until I went through Pathmakers. But I learned to not only value my design, but other people's design too because I was hearing that my design was good and that their design was good. Have you explored your design and have you with great curiosity explored your kid's design? Why does, why does little Jimmy do that that way? What is, what is he seeing that I don't see? Are you exploring 
that with your spouse? Why does she see things? Why does he see things differently than me? And how is that supposed to help me? So explore, explore your design and theirs. Especially that person you're in conflict with. Explore their design. Figure it out. Approach them with the attitude of, man, maybe they're trying to be redemptive in this and I just not seeing it. Maybe I've missed where they're trying to be redemptive. And I've concluded some things about them that are in, inaccurate. Number two, learn to live out your design as redemptively as possible. Learn to live it out redemptively. Like, be, learn to be the very best version of you. You're made in God's image. We're to imitate Christ. This is our goal of discipleship, by the way. To be the best version of us. Me saying no to my design should not happen a ton. Apparently, the church needs my design. I'm not really sure why. I haven't totally answered that question with the Lord yet. But apparently, I'm supposed to be here. And so I'm trying to learn to live. I'm a high-control person. And that doesn't mean I need to control you for me to live out my design. And I've had to learn that. I've had to learn to live my, like the break is a good thing. You need a break. But the break on all the time means you don't go anywhere, right? And then when you see needs that you are designed to solve, engage. When you see needs that you are designed to solve, I think sometimes we see that need and we're like, Uh, I think I'm supposed to do that. But we've been told for so long that our design is bad that we don't want to engage. If you keep coming to me about the same ministry idea, pretty soon I'm going to hand you the keys to that ministry idea and and equip you. Because apparently you're the one to engage. It's not always true. I... uh, you know, so this is part of my experience and part of my design, but um, as a kid, it was a big deal about, hey, who didn't take out the garbage? And I don't know how many times we could ask Josh, uh, how many times I said in our household, who didn't take out the garbage? But it'd make me so mad. And finally, God says, you see it, you take it out. Oh, you know, my wife, she notices when the laundry needs to be done, and she does it. Doesn't complain to anybody about the laundry not being done. When you see needs that you're designed for, Rob, take out the garbage. It's not that hard. You can do it. I love what my wife sees within our home, and she just engages. And I need, with the same attitude, just... Stop trying to make other people into my image. Stop complaining. Stop trying to control other people. Control myself. See a need, engage. And then number four, choose to value 
boundaries. You need to start with yourself. When you need to say no, say no. When somebody tells me no to ministry, okay, I don't understand it, but I'm going to value it. When you need to say no, say, say no. When you need to say, I don't understand, say, I don't understand. But when other people say no, respect it. I mean, in the dating world, we know that if someone says, I don't want you to kiss me, you need to not kiss them, right? That's a boundary. Their voice matters. You don't get to decide that, they, that they're confused. You don't get to decide that, that they really do want you to kiss them. Like what, what we saw in the 40s and 50s and 60s in the, in the films where the guy just kissed the gal anyway, complete garbage. And a whole generation grew up thinking that that's what manhood looks like. It's not. When someone says no, the answer is no. Until they say yes. And we should back off and wait. We shouldn't, shouldn't force them, shouldn't force the conversation. Like we, their no is enough. We need to learn to respect and value boundaries. And if this is an issue for you, uh, please let us know. We'll point you to some things that will help in that. But Martha wasn't willing to hear Mary's no. And yet the Lord says, I value her voice. Again, this is a core tenet of discipleship, learning to value our, our image, the way we bear the image of God, growing in our ability to live out our image redemptively, engaging where God tells us to engage. I'll tell you, there's been some things that God's asked me to engage in that scared the living daylights out of me. That's on the big stuff. On the little stuff, you know, choosing to engage, choosing to live my part redemptively, choosing to do my part, and recognizing that we all bring something to the conversation. We all bring value to the family, whatever that family looks like. And even if I don't understand why do they keep approaching that problem that way, maybe it's their design. Maybe they see things drastically different, and I just need to search that out and figure out what's going on there. Why do they want to respond differently than I would? Maybe that's a better response. But we could all grow in this and figure out how to do our part when it comes to living out God's design redemptively. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, 
Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.